SEC bucking the trend. Why are some football cards plummeting while others are on the rise? Giannis inks the new deal with the Bucks on the court and his cardboard sells for ridiculous prices. All this and more now on SEC. Welcome to Sports Cards Culture. I'm Chris. I'm here with Christina and with the great Josh Johnson of Cardboard Chronicles. First of all, bucking the trend, what football cards are doing well this season and why? So first of all, we know lots of football cards are not doing well since the season began. So using Card Ladder, I just punched in the phrase football, I went to the quarterly percentage change, and then I sorted from lowest to highest, and here's what I found. Gardner Minshew, down 81%. Marquise Brown, down 81%. Drew Locke, down 78%. Chris Godwin, down 74%. Lamar Jackson, down 71%. Ezekiel Elliott, down 70%. Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, down 62%. I'm a victim of this crash, by the way. (laughs) I bought some nice Christian McCaffrey cards. Here's my favorite one, his Prism Gold rookie. I bought some nice Christian McCaffrey cards going into this season. Then he's been injured for all but like three games. It's been miserable, but who cares? I'm still having fun collecting them. These guys are all down, right? All these players are down. Josh, what can we learn from this? Is, is, are you seeing any trends, any through lines? In the fact that all these players' cards are way down since three months ago. What do you think, man? Yeah, there's a massive trend with that. It seems like those guys are all like third to seventh year guys who haven't quite established themselves as long-term Hall of Famers. They're not really rookie prospects anymore, so they're kind of in that middle ground where you know, people are moving on. They're getting bored of those players. Marquise Brown is pretty young. I think he's in his second year, but he's really struggled this year. So, I mean, people just get bored. They move on to the Burrows and Tuas, to the young rookie guys, or they just go back and say, you know what? These guys are too risky. Let me go find some old Hall of Fame guys or guys that I don't have to worry about anymore. What a nice segue. Okay, because you know what? There are some football players who have gone up in season this season. They've gone in the complete opposite direction. All right, let's talk about two of them. Uh, The first one is Julio Jones. So Julio was drafted sixth in 2011. He's a seven-time Pro Bowler. He has 95.5 career receiving yards per game. That's first all-time by like a mile. Second place is Calvin Megatron Johnson with 86.1 career average yards per game. He is a two-time NFL receiving yards leader, and he is a one-time NFL receptions co-leader. All right, now let's talk about one of his cards. 2011 Topps Chrome Refractor PSA 10. The population is 39. So using Card Ladder, I can see that that card has sold four times this year. In March, it sold for $202.50. Then in July, it sold for $414. It sold again in July for $479.95. And then it just sold this month in December for $810. All right, complete opposite trend of the other guys we were talking about earlier we talk about one other guy larry fitzgerald all right fitz was drafted third in 2004 he's an 11 time pro bowler he's a two-time nfl receptions leader a two-time nfl receiving touchdowns leader he is second all time in career receptions he has 1423 only one guy is ahead of him jerry rice who has 1549 And Larry Fitzgerald is the only wide receiver to play at least 250 games with the same team. All right, let's just briefly talk about one of his cards. 2004 Topps Chrome uh, Refractor PSA 10. It has a population of 27. Now, once again, using Card Ladder, I can see that the card has sold seven times this year. 
It sold in July for $1,450. That's $1,450. It recorded a crazy high auction price, like a bizarre outlier in August of $6,643. But the sale is in PWCC's database. So we know, according to them, that it was paid. And then most recently, this card sold on December 3rd for $3,600. So still up big from its July sale price, currently at about $3,600. All right, Josh, what has made Julio Jones and Larry Fitzgerald, I know these two guys were on your radar going into the season. What has made these two guys special? What makes them different than all those other guys we talked about? Why are their cards continuing to go up in season? Well, I mean, they're establishing themselves as top you know, five, ten receivers of all time. Larry Fitzgerald's, like you said, second in receiving in receptions and yards. So, like, he's coming up on, you know, Jerry Rice, the only undisputed greatest player at his position, you know, of all time. And so when you're getting up into this layer of player, it, you're really starting to separate yourself. And there's a lot of safety in that. There's a lot there's a lot of value in players like that. And, and it's kind of funny because you're naming all these other guys and people just assume everything in football is down. But nobody's talking about these other guys and that's what's so interesting is that they're slowly kind of quietly going up and that's kind of the trajectory of hall of fame players and really all like great you know greatest of all time players is they sort of just quietly keep going up and up and we don't really pay attention to it because it's not as volatile it's not as sexy but that's what wins in the long run is is uh, consistency safety you know hall of fame players well said so some of the other guys who have been going up to like ben roethlisberger has been going up this season Philip Rivers is going up this season. These are guys who were drafted in the early to mid-2000s. Um, so once again, I think Josh makes a great point. Josh, do you think this is translatable to basketball? Because there's a lot of differences between basketball and football, obviously. Do we think that we might see these type of trends occur for basketball stars? Because I'm, I'm thinking maybe some of these football guys were, had just been underappreciated before this year, and then a lot of eyes went on to football cards, and some of the smarter money decided to go for some of these rare... You know, the population on the Julio Jones is 39. The pop on the Fitzgerald Refractor is 27. Maybe some of the smarter money kind of went to these more rare cards, these established players who are on Hall of Fame trajectories. What do you think? Can we, what, can we apply anything from this to, to other avenues of sports cards? Totally. I mean, we're right up against the start of the basketball season, and we're hearing a lot of hype about Trey Young, Luca, uh, John Morant, Zion, you know, very young players, very translatable to those football players you just named. I feel like those guys will hold their value a little bit better than some of those like receivers and running backs, just because it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit safer to have basketball players like that than football. But I do expect some, some volatility with those younger guys. And as that starts to happen, you're going to see the money move over to LeBron, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, you know, kind of the same translatable names over to basketball. I think we'll see the same trends. Coming up on Sports Cards Culture, a Giannis card brings home over $1 million, and Giannis brings home over $228 million. The future is now. Card Ladder is the fastest growing sports card app on the market. The best tools to help you track your cards, watch the trends, stay informed, compare cards, and track the growth of your personal collection. All in one simple and intuitive platform. Join the innovators, not the imitators. The best sports card app on the market. A stock market for sports cards. Card Ladder.
You're watching SCC, sports, cards, culture. Keep up with the crew and follow them on all the socials. Plus, join Josh and Chris and sometimes special guest Christina every Friday night on Instagram Live. The crossover. Next up, a Giannis card brings home over $1 million. Giannis himself brings home $228 million. Okay. Giannis has signed a five-year Supermax extension worth $228 million with the Milwaukee Bucks. It's the largest deal in NBA history. Giannis has a player option after the fourth season. Giannis is currently 26 years old. All right, let's talk about two big-time Giannis sales that happened with Golden Auctions a few days before Giannis signed his deal. The first one is the 2013 Prism Black Mosaic 1 of 1 Giannis rookie card, BGS 9.5. It sold for almost $1.2 million. Now, this is the first public recorded sale of this card, according to Card Ladder's all-time sales history database. The other sale that I want to mention here is the 2013 National Treasures Giannis RPA out of 99 PSA 10. It's a pop three. It sold for over $500,000. Looking at Card Ladder, I can see that a copy of this card sold in a PSA 10 slab once before for $910 on eBay, and there was one sale after that. What that means, though, is since that first $910 sale on eBay, this card has appreciated 60,724%. That's right, 60,724% appreciation over the 5.5 years in between the first sale in the over half million dollar sale from this past weekend. Okay, these are some very big numbers. We know that Giannis owns some of his cards. Perhaps Giannis bought these and then said, hey, I better sign that Supermax. But uh, joking aside, I've got two questions on this topic. What do these record-setting sales mean to you for the hobby? Uh, I mean, it tells me that the hobby is very serious on the investor side and that we do have a lot of very serious uh, investment funds or, you know, uh, investment groups of people that are coming in and wanting to put big money into these cards. I just, I would assume these aren't from just collectors. It could be, but it's just such an astronomical jump that I have to sense that this is coming from a fund. I think it means, I think it's very important for the future of the hobby. If we start seeing more cards kind of move up in value this, this quickly at this type of range, then it says to me that we're getting into this very high end, almost like art like market where you know, we're moving into investment type stuff. Christina, what say you? What do these record setting sales mean for the hobby? It means I can't afford the cards I like anymore. <laughs> That's what it means to me. Uh, for the hobby, It, I think it means good things. I mean, hopefully uh, these are long term investors, if not collectors, who realize the potential and the gains that are in the sports card market. Uh, I worry, though, um, about maybe the short-sightedness of some uh, quick uh, investors. But um, I think that it's a good thing, and I'm looking at it as a glass half full at the moment. Uh, but I'll, I'll be watching. What does Giannis signing a Supermax, a five-year deal with the fifth year being a player option, what does this mean now that he's going to be a buck, it looks, for the foreseeable future? What does it mean for his sports card market? Are people going to change the way that they approach collecting slash investing in Giannis in light of this new deal? I think this is good for his card market. Um, and the reason I say that is because the LeBron market didn't really take off until he won a championship with Cleveland. I think people in the hobby 
really gravitate towards superstars, individual superstars, leaders of teams. Uh, if he were to have gone to like Miami or or the Warriors, we saw this with Kevin Durant. When Kevin Durant went to the Warriors, people did not take kindly to it in the hobby, in the sports media, all across the board. I think this is actually really good for Giannis's market. Uh, he's going to continue to be the face of that team. They're going to build around him. He's going to be an MVP candidate every year. He's clearly put it on himself as the reason that the Bucks didn't win. He needs to get better. He's not blaming the team because he's sticking around. I think he will get better. I think he'll get closer to a championship. And if he does win, you know, all bets are off on his market. Ooh, I like that. Okay, Christina. Now, I believe Giannis has said, or at least it was reported, I read it somewhere, uh, that Giannis was inspired by Dirk, who spent his entire career with the Dallas Mavericks, got that MVP in a Mavericks uniform, got a title in the Mavericks uniform, and Giannis liked that. He wanted to emulate that. What do you think it means that Giannis is signing a Supermax deal? Uh, and he's going to be in Milwaukee. Does that make him more collectible to you? I think it makes him more collectible because his rookie cards are going to be his MVP cards, which are going to be his title cards, which are going to be his retirement cards. And that's what he's really looking at, right? Like he's following in Dirk's footsteps. But I also think it's a really good sign for other collectors of other players because you have a superstar now saying, I'm not going to change teams so that I can win a championship I'm going to tough it out here and I'm going to bring the title home but he might not though right like well, that, he might isn't not, that the down like I hate to be the downer here but no, is but it the he, problem but he's right. setting a precedent of I'm staying to fight here right and I'm like this is my home now like this like that's what Dirk always said right Dallas is now my home so I'm excited because there might be a, another young superstar coming up who who might hit his Supermax deal. And this, who, another superstar who's European and who also emulates Dirk, who might just say the same thing. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to make this city proud. This city embraced me. Therefore, I'm going to bring it home. Um, I, I think that there was some of the inflation that was built into Giannis's prices. And I don't use inflation as a derogatory term and just it, that there's been inflation in his prices. I think part of it was uh, speculative based on the fact that he may have gone and formed a super team and got ready to bring home a couple championships. Now, Josh made a great point. That didn't serve Kevin Durant very well when he did it. I think LeBron was a very different story. But it didn't serve Kevin Durant very well when he did it. So I might be off base on that. But now... Any space that there was for speculation um, is kind of gone. And now you know what you get. You got Giannis, you got Drew Holiday, you got a really Chris Middleton. You got three potentially Eastern Conference All-Stars in the starting lineup. You got a nice roster to, to back them up as well. So you know what you're getting now. There's not as much room for speculation. But there's also speculation because how many stars are now saying Giannis is in Milwaukee for five years? That means I need to be in Milwaukee with Giannis so that we could win the title. You, that that's a like, fair point, uh, Josh. Are the funds and the uh, fractional reserve entities who you know seem to potentially have been behind some of these acquisitions, are they doing this right? Are they picking the right cards? Is Giannis a good target? Assuming that it was them, should should they be focused on Giannis? Should be should they be looking at other avenues too? What do you think? Yeah, I think Giannis is a straight up gamble at this point, and I don't see. Why a fund with this much money and this much at stake with their investors want to gamble on something like this? Because, like you said, we know what Giannis is now. It's time to deliver. And if he does not deliver, we're going to see his prices start to go down over time. Uh, 
I mean, if I were a fund, I would be kind of treating it like I do a regular fund with stocks where I'm sort of diversifying into like mostly safe stocks that kind of give me those seven to 10% returns over time. Have a few have a few in like international stocks, you know, I can apply here with, with international players to make it more interesting. And you have like your volatile stocks where it's super young players, they go up and down, you know, you're sort of just throwing a dart, but you keep those percentages low. When you're, when you're talking about 500,000, 1 million, $2 million on Giannis, where it is pretty, pretty volatile, you know, that's a lot of money and I'd be a little bit nervous. If it were my fund, I'd be putting my money in LeBron, Jordan, Brady, and just, you know, riding that wave. Because again, with those guys, you're riding the wave of the hobby. And with Giannis, you're riding the wave of the hobby and hoping he wins championships. Right. Or hoping he takes a third 3P MVP like Larry Legend. Yeah. They, That's could the get only a third way. I, I, don't think, I don't think he's coming in for a title this year. The, the oh. yeah, it's just... I mean, the Lakers are building like the super plus team. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> so two different questions there. Is it realistic to expect to beat the Lakers? Probably not. I think the Lakers got even better. Right. Uh, but but is he trying to win a title? Yes. Well, yes, of course. He yes, he's trying. Right. Okay. Final topic for today. Uh, as Josh and I were chatting, prepping for the show, he threw a topic at me that intrigued me. So I want to serve it up and then pass over to him. It's okay to pay full market price for a card that you like. So let's talk a little bit of hobby philosophy right now. Christine, I brought I brought a I brought a card for you, Christina, that you recently paid full market price for. So but hold yes, on, you get I your did. thoughts ready. All right. <laughs> so like I said, Josh hit me with this idea when we were getting ready to talk about today's show. Let's kick it around for a little bit. Uh, Josh, am I getting this right? I'm a firm believer in paying full market price for a card that I really like. I would even overpay if the card is rare, doesn't come up very often, and I want it that bad. So tell me more about what's on your mind here. You know, when we're talking about paying full market price for cards that we like. Yeah, obviously from the collector side, if you're talking about a rare card that doesn't come up very often, you, you kind of have to overpay. I was kind of more leaning into the concept of instead of trying to find steals for cards on eBay or trying to like, you know, get deals from people or try to get lower prices. If you actually believe in the card and you want to invest in it, you should go into it with some knowledge that, hey, I'm buying this card today, hoping to sell it for market in the future but I see some potential here in that distance. I see that this card should be going up based on some factors that I've taken into consideration. So do your homework up front to where you believe in the card enough to just sort of buy it and buy it at volume at the price that's fair in the market. I've seen this time and time again, people won't pull the trigger because they feel like, you know, I'm not finding the right deal or I'm not finding the right card. Whereas if they would have just bought a bunch of it, you know, at market, maybe even slightly over market, they would have seen those profits, uh, you know, when they, when they, uh, come down the road and you know in the future they could have made money and they just they didn't pull the trigger because they were worried about getting the right deal or whatever yeah so there's like two different ways to approach stuff there's one trying to find you know quote unquote arbitrage opportunities where you find you know what the market value is for a card you try to find it at a cheaper price somewhere and then try and dump it at the current market price and that's one way that people might approach things but it shouldn't get confused with, with just, hey, paying a reasonable market price for a card that you believe and have the confidence in is underappreciated and or have other factors that will make its market go up over time, whether it's a player that you really believe in, a set that you really believe in, something like that. And in the, and in the latter case, pay fair market price for the card if that's what's available to you because, you after all, you're believing that the market price for it's going to go up. Uh, Christina, you yes. recently paid fair market price for a card it's an Ovechkin Young Guns PSA 10. 
It right? is. You just came up to me after you bought it. You said, I bought something on eBay. I said, I want an auction. <laughs> and okay, you paid fair market price for I did. Okay, so you didn't try to go find a steal. You saw an auction on PWCC. Correct. You bought it. So yes. what Josh just said, does it resonate with you? Does that... Oh, 100%. Like, what Josh is saying is completely true. This card that I purchased, though, was not to try and, like, flip later. It is for the PC. Um, I like to buy cards that I collect and hold on to until Chris sells them out from under me. (laughs) That's right. I'm the one who will flip it, ultimately, (laughs) but yes. But I like to hold on to the card, and I thought that this, this was a good buy at the time, Hockey's right around the corner. I saw a lot of people on uh, Instagram and YouTube starting to talk about hockey. People who never talked about content creators who'd never talked about hockey before were starting to talk about hockey. And I started doing some research and realized that that hockey was getting underloved. So I was like, you know what? I don't have a hockey card and I want a hockey card. So I did my research and I ended up with Ovi. Yay. Okay. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. The and living it's now gone up. It, it has. <laughs> the living embodiment of the philosophy of Josh spelled out. All right. That's going to do it for today's show. This has been Sports Cards Culture. See you next time. Thanks for watching. Tell us in the comment section below what the crew should cover next week. And don't forget to like and subscribe. See you next time on SCC Sports Cards Culture.